0: Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. And today I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And it is my prayer that the message you are about to hear helps you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message. You connect faith to life. Okay. Ready? Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, NorthwoodBadness.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. We are in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which is really cool. I really didn't plan it this way, so it's really cool. This is, uh, this is Paul's instructions to about parenting uh, to parents and children so it's really cool that it's ended up on Mother's Day. I, I thought it was cool. Anyway, so here we are. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, Ephesians is about halfway through your New Testament. Just find the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, that's okay because in the seat before you down the book rack, you'll find a copy of the Bible. Pick that Bible up and, and find Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 with us. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires to have a relationship with With you. And it is really uh, interesting that we are in this particular passage on Mother's Day celebrating families, witnessing family dedication. It's good to, to think about what Paul has to say two families in these verses. And and I know that all across this room, again, we're in all kinds of stages of, in life that uh, some of you are like me, you're in the middle of, of parenting, you have uh, children that are younger or whatever the case may be, some of you have teenagers, some of you have, have children that have moved on and now you're grandparents and, and some of you ha- ha- don't have kids yet, some of you will never have kids. I get all that, like we're all over the place with this and I understand that, but I do hope and pray that as we think through this passage that wherever you find yourself in your your life stage this morning uh, that you'll hear God's voice to you. And I mean, it's just really, you know, fun to think through um, where we are as parents. And, 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 and you know, Stacy and I, most of you know our story. We were a little bit older when we got married. We were into our 30s and all those kinds of things. And so we, we had Luke and Hudson uh, a little bit later. I mean, some of you had your kids like when you were in your early 20s. That, that just wasn't our story. And, and I remember, you know, um, when, when Stacy found out uh, that she was pregnant with Luke. And we began to tell people that we were expecting our first child. And, and what I heard over and over again from people, I mean, it seemed like everybody we told uh, said this to us. And now, mind you, we've been single throughout our, the entirety of our 20s. And so, so you know, and for me, I, didn't have, I had a younger brother who was three years younger. so I, I, I had not been around babies. I mean, this is all new to me. And, and what we heard over and over again was, your life's going to change. And it did. It really did. And and I remember when, when Luke was born and, and being there in the hospital, and I don't know uh, what your situation was when, when your child was born and what the hospital was like, but but in our hospital, they, they actually discouraged you from allowing your baby to stay in the room with you overnight. They had a nursery. It was really cool. You just pushed the button. They come get the kid, take the kid away and they wanted you to rest and they wanted you to sleep and and because they knew when you got home you wouldn't and so that's what they encourage you to do to just push that button and have us come get the child and so we push that button quite a bit. And, and 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 then we we they put us in the car to go home from the hospital after a couple of days, which still to this day I, I don't get that. Like they just put us in the car and said goodbye, and there was no more button to push, and and and, and there was no instruction manual. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy, I think, but I remember in that moment thinking, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And I remember going home just exhausted. I mean, we'd gone through a lot. We you know, Stacy had given birth to our first child, and and now we're home, and it's our first night together, and this child's screaming. And we had him in, in, in our room. There's a little bassinet because we wanted him to sleep with us, not in the bed with us, but in the bassinet for, just so we could keep an eye on him. And it, it was, he, he was loud. He screamed. And, and so that first night, I mean, I, I went and slept in another room by myself. And, um <laughs> I mean, the excuse I used was it was a Saturday night and I had to preach the next morning and all those kind of things, but man, it, it was wild and crazy. And, and then, you know, the, the kids grow up and I remember when Luke was, I don't know, he must've been two or three years old and, and you know he was being a boy, we were at church and he was doing boy things and, and driving us crazy. And, and I had a buddy of mine, he, he had, I don't remember how many kids he had, five six seven nine twelve. 12, he had a lot of them. And, and he saw that, that we were struggling with Luke just a bit and he kind of had a smirk on his face. And he came over and he walked over and he said, how many kids do you have? I said, one. I said, it's a nice hobby, isn't it? I'm like, hobby, what are you talking about? He said, he said, if you have one kid, it's not really parenting. It's just a hobby. He said, you're not parenting until you have more than one child. I'm like, and then we had another child. I'm like, well, I, yeah, he was kind of right, wasn't he? And so, But just all these, these memories of bringing up children. Now here we are in the midst. You know, Luke will be 12 in October. Hudson will be 8. And we're just in the throes of that. And some of you are there with me. And, and, and I don't know where you are this morning in your life stage or where you are with children or whatever the case may be. But I, I know that we come to this room, all of us a bit different. Maybe some of you come to this room this morning and you feel like you got your act all together. You think about your family and like you're the Waltons. I mean, mommy and daddy are perfect. Your kids are perfect. You never have some problems. And, and if that's you, we really don't like you. But, <laughs> but, but maybe that... But, I, I kid, we like you a little bit. But, we're, but, we're, but, but, but maybe you feel that. The vast majority of us though, right? We don't feel that way. The vast majority of us know, man, it, it's a battle. It's a struggle. And, and it may be even this morning that, that, that as you come to this place, that even as a parent, you're doing the best you can. You, you, you have your kids in church. You're, you're trying to love your spouse well or whatever the case may be. But, but maybe you come to a place like this on a Sunday morning and, and as a parent, you feel a bit guilty. You ever feel that way? Like I'm just not doing good enough. I bet you that in this room when it comes to parenting, we're all over the place. Some of us think we're doing a great job. Some of us know we're not doing a great job. And, 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 and it's hard. I'll be honest with you. The way I feel about parenting, it really is. It's, it's rewarding it's wonderful it's rich i love seeing my kids grow up and i love the opportunity that i've seen them come to faith in christ and i got to baptize them and seeing them develop and and become passionate about different things and seeing them excel in school or sports or music or whatever the case may be that's that's a lot of fun but it's hard I, mean, I feel like i've done some hard things in my life right and some of you've done some hard things man i know we have people in this room who are police officers and that's that's hard the people in this room who are engineers, that's hard. People at home here that are stay-at-home moms, that's hard, right? I mean, just all over the place. And, and just to think, wh- wh- wherever you find yourself, man, just this reality that parenting is hard. Oh, but God is in the midst of it all. And these words that Paul writes in this short, only four verses we're going to look at this morning. But these words are so encouraging as we begin to think about them these words that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 6. And I just want to show you from these verses two challenges that Paul gives us as parents in these verses. Two challenges that Paul gives us as parents in these verses. So take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the ring of God's word together. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time together in your word. And thank you, Father, for the gift of family. And Father, I know again in this room that that we cover all stages of life, that in this room we have, 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 have... Teenagers, college students, some that just graduated yesterday getting ready to step into the workforce. We have young families, families with teenagers. We have singles. We have single agains and this and that. I know that we cover a variety of life stages in this room. But I thank you that in this room that no matter what stage of life we're in, that we are united as one family. And Father, as one family, you've given us the gift of families, parents and children, and to think through what it looks like to to raise our kids well and to honor you within our families. We need help. And so I thank you, Jesus, that as we spend time studying your word this morning, you're going to speak to us. As you speak to us, help us listen carefully to what you're saying with hearts that are ready to obey your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Now, look at this first phrase. You have Ephesians chapter six and, and, and those first few words, children, obey your parents. Now, now let's just stop right there and think about that for a moment. And, 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 and let me just be honest with you. And I don't, I don't mean, to, or I'm not trying to be irreverent with this. I think this is reality. Paul didn't have to write that, right? Like the Bible really, if you think about it, didn't have to say that. Because whether you're a Christian or not, I think all of us would agree with that, right? I mean, we could do it. We could, we could walk out of this room this morning and, and go searching Charleston for the biggest pagan in town. We could say to the biggest pagan in town, hey, do you think children should obey their parents? And the biggest pagan in town would probably look at you and say, yep, that's a good idea. Like just across the board, I think everybody would say, yeah, children obeying their parents is a good thing, right? So we we would all agree that, and and Paul even says this, he says, children obey your parents. He has this phrase in the Lord, we'll come back to it. He says, says, because this is right. Everybody knows that. You don't need a preacher like me telling you that children should obey their parents. You know that. Our culture knows that. That's instinctively built into the nature of who we are. We know that 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 there's a authority in the home, and authority in the home is mama and daddy, and children should obey mama and daddy. I didn't have to tell you that. You didn't have to wake up and come to church to hear that. You knew that. But, but just come on now, think back into the context. We started talking about the context last week here in Ephesians, when, when we talked about the relationship between husbands and wives. And in an ancient Greco-Roman culture, we said that, that in an ancient home, who was in charge? Daddy. The husband. and This, this idea of uh, pater familia. This idea that, that, that dad was in charge. If, if there was a motto in the home, the motto would have been, Dad's will be done. That was it. And, and what would happen in the home in those ancient days, that, that even when it came to children, dad had a lot of authority. What I mean by that is, is that a child wasn't even considered legal until a dad approved of that child. Maybe you've heard things like this before, but but a a newborn, an infant, would be brought before the father for the father's approval. And if the father didn't approve of the child, didn't like the way the child looked, or a lot of times if the child was not a boy but a girl, that that father would abandon that child or sell that child into slavery. Sometimes even, if, if there was a child that was born and it was... Uh, physically deformed when it was born, that father sometimes would order that that child was killed. It was just a different society and a different culture. And, and, and so you think about the, the phrase, children obey your parents. In that ancient culture, children knew that. We we already talked about this last week. Wives submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Slaves, submit to your masters. These things were common in a Greco-Roman culture. People didn't have to be told that. That was part of the household code. People knew that. But then Paul comes along, and remember what Paul's doing. Paul is reminding us that at the end of the day, Daddy isn't in charge. At the end of the day, the husband is not in charge. There's ultimately one who is in charge. There's ultimately one master. And and the master isn't the man of the house. The master is Christ Jesus himself. That's why you have Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Remember, remember, you're of one faith, one baptism, one Lord. Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died and rose again for us, the one who, who took the punishment for our sins upon himself so we could be forgiven of all of our sins. The one who's given us the gift of life, abundant and eternal. My friend, ultimately, he's the one in charge. He is the one in authority. And so Paul says, much like he says to wives, he says to wives, remember, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now he says to children, submit to your parents in the Lord. It's this is understanding. That in the family, what Paul's getting to is is the home has been reordered under Jesus Christ. Do mom and dad have authority? Yes, absolutely. Do mom and dad uh, call the shots and have rules and boundaries and all those kind of things? Yes, absolutely. But ultimately, there's one over mom and dad. There's one who's in ultimate authority. There's one who's ultimately in authority in your home, and that's Christ himself. And so this idea that children, when you obey your parents, you are actually obeying God, because God is ultimately the one in authority. And remember, we talked about this last week. If someone were to ask you, hey, in your house, house. Who's in charge? The answer isn't mommy. The answer isn't daddy. No, for followers of Jesus, we're asked the question, hey, in your family, who wears the pants? In your family, who's in charge? The answer we should all give is who? Jesus Christ. He is the one who's in charge. And we're all mom, dad, children. We're all taking our orders from Christ Jesus because he is the one who is Lord. He's the one who died and rose again. And, and, and because of that, he is worthy of us calling him master and Lord. So ultimately... Paul says, submit, children, to your parents in the Lord, knowing that Christ is in charge. And he goes on to say this. Look, he says, and this comes straight from the Ten Commandments. And, and Paul's going to quote from, from Exodus chapter 20 and, and the book of Deuteronomy, where, he, where Moses reiterates the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5. He says, look, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Now, obviously, when God originally gave that command, he had in mind this promise of the people living in the promised land. Obey your parents, right? And life will go well for you. You will live long in the land. Now, you think about it. And I, and I understand that that, that Sometimes life is cut short and sometimes life happens. But, but generally speaking, what, what Paul reminds us of is true. That when we are obedient to the authority that God has placed over us, when, when children obey their parents, when children obey God, when we obey God, what happens? Typically speaking, generally speaking, isn't it true that life goes better for you? That's just reality. That that when you are honoring the Lord with your life, when you're submitting ultimately to his authority, what do you avoid? You avoid making a lot of really dumb decisions that might actually take your life. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, children obey your parents because, because you're doing it unto the Lord, right? And as you obey your parents, man, you're setting yourself up for a life, a life that 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 avoids a lot of the foolishness of this world. Now, that sounds good, but now we've got to stop and, and step back for just a moment and think through this. Children, obey your appearance in the Lord. Well, how? How do your children know that their obedience to you is ultimately obeying God? How do they come to that conclusion? My, my children didn't just wake up when they were three years old and say, I'm going to obey you because I want to obey God. They, they didn't do that. No, no. What do they need? They need mommy and daddy doing what? Teaching them. That obedience to your parents is ultimately obedience to God. Obedience to your parents is ultimately obedience to God. No, we have to teach them that and remind them that that in our home, a a husband and wife, a mom and dad, we're reminding our children day in and day out that there is one in authority in our home and it is Christ Jesus. Our eyes are on him. And as we submit to him, we're gonna honor those that God has placed over us. That's the idea here that Paul's getting to, that God, again, has reordered the home in Christ Jesus where Christ is the head. And we're pointing our family to Christ, which means as parents we're pointing our kids to Christ. Now think about this. We talked about this some last week. In parenting, I I know this because I want this. We want our children to obey in the moment. And rightly so, right? When I see my kids jumping on the couch and going nuts, stop it. Obey. Right? When, When you see your child touch that hot stove, stop it. Stop it. We want momentary obedience. And sometimes, now sometimes, we want that momentary obedience because we we fear for our child's life in that moment, and that's good. Sometimes we want momentary obedience. Why? Because we just want our kids to do our will and calm down so we can have some peace and quiet, right? Can I just remind you, there's nothing wrong with wanting momentary obedience, but can I just remind you that God is after something more the momentary obedience in your life and in the life of your children. What God is after in all of us is long-term, day-in and day-out obedience. I don't know if you remember this or not, but last week we talked about a posture of the heart. And this is what God wants to do in your life and this is what God wants to do in my life and this is what God wants to do in the life of your children. This posture of the heart where with our heart we say to God because of what you've done for me, I'm willing to obey your voice. I'm listening to you for all of my life. For for God, right? He is really wanting to form in us this, this long lifestyle of obedience. This posture of the heart. And every time we as parents have the opportunity to speak to our children about obedience and about Christ. This is what we're aiming for this posture of the heart where our children know this is what's best for them because in doing so it honors Christ. And so what that means now watch this watch this. Here's what Paul's saying in these verses parents let the rule of Jesus reign in your home. I know that's basic I know you get that. I understand that again this is not rocket science but but hang with me. So, So for your children to know the rule of Jesus in your home. One your children, now watch this, your children need to see your obedience? Come on now. On a daily basis, what are your kids seeing in you and your walk with the Lord? On a daily basis, do they see you in prayer? Do they see you studying the Word? Do they see you striving to live on mission? Do they see you serving the body of Christ? Do they see you sharing the gospel? Do they see you making wise choices based on what the Word of God says? What do your children see about your obedience to God? Because you know this, and I don't have to tell you this. This is, you know, again, I know this is kind of common sense kind of stuff, but, but, but obviously your children, they're going, to, they're going to imitate what you model for them. And so, so listen to this. Think about this. If your children simply imitate your faith, what would their faith look like? You see? And so this idea of of in your home, are they seeing you obey? And not only that, but your children need to know why you're obeying God. Because let's be honest, it's really easy within the home to get really legalistic. Why? Why do we obey? Why do we do this? Why do we make these kinds of choices? And sometimes the answer is what? Because it's just the right thing to do. And that's not a wrong answer necessarily. That's not necessarily a bad answer. But there's a better answer. Why do we obey? Not because it's just the right thing to do. The reason why we obey God, church. Now, come on, come on, you know this. The reason why we obey God is why? Because of what he's done for us. You were on your way to an eternity in hell. But God loved you so much that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you and gave his life for you and rose again from the dead, defeating sin and death you so you can have the gift of life abundant and eternal. We obey God because God has changed us. He's given us new desires. He's shown us that He's glorious and worthy of our praise and adoration. He's demonstrated His love to us and because of what God has done for us, we willingly give our lives to Him. All of us, we're yours, Lord, because of what you've done for us, right? We obey God not just because it's the right thing to do. We obey God because we are in all church, of what Christ has done for us. And so Paul's instruction is real simple. Parents, let the rule and reign of Christ, let it reign in your home. That means you need to model obedience and you need to constantly tell your kids why you're obeying God. Sharing the gospel with your kids day in and day out, you see. I I read a story this week and that was kind of fascinating. So there was there was this guy. He was in Maine, and I don't know if it was an apartment complex or a hotel or something like that. But there were a lot of people who were sleeping, and he was in this complex, and and he had been drinking a little bit too much. And you know, when you drink a little bit too much, you tend to do things you shouldn't do. And so so he was just raising the ruckus all across his complex. He was banging on doors. He was yelling. He was playing his loud music, and, and so they called the cops on him, which was you know the right thing to do. I mean, he was being a, a public nuisance, and so so the, the cops came to, uh, to, to 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 you know find this guy and to arrest him and all those kind of things. And, and so he saw the blue lights, he saw the cops coming, he knew he was in trouble, and he got scared. And so he's running around trying to, trying to get away and trying to hide. And so, and so, so he, he, he found the perfect hiding place. I brought a picture, look. <laughs> he sat in a chair and put a blanket over himself. Because I'm sure the last time you were running from the cops, that's exactly what you did, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, that just makes perfect sense. There's a chair, there's a blanket, let me throw it over me. No one will ever notice I'm here. And so the cops, you know, they're, they're, they're police officers. They've been trained in how to find bad guys. And I, I, I've never been to the police academy, but we've got police officers here in this church. And I'm sure you would tell us if you were staying on the stage, the very first thing they teach you on police academy day one is always take the blankets off the chairs, right? And you'll find the bad guys. And so if you're a police officer, you know. And so at any rate, that's what they did. They, they pulled the, the blanket off of him and they found him, arrested him, and everybody lived happily ever after. But, but here's the question. What would possess you as a bad guy? I mean, obviously he was intoxicated, but even a drunk guy knows this probably isn't going to work out well, right? What would possess you to put a blanket over yourself to try to hide yourself? From? We, we learned in kindergarten that doesn't work, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so where did he learn this from? I got to thinking about it. This is where he learned it. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Anybody remember Scooby-Doo? I mean, they always did a terrible job of disguising themselves, and they pulled the blanket off at the end of the show, and, and they almost got away with it. Some of you will get that much later. If you haven't watched Scooby-Doo in a very long time, and I get that. All that to say, that's kind of a silly illustration. I get it, but just this idea, right? I don't know what possessed him to do that. I don't know where he learned that. I don't know what was going through his mind. But listen, your kids are learning something. And they're learning something from you. And are they learning from you that, that Christ reigns and rules over all things? Now, we're, not, we're almost done, but look what Paul goes on to say. So you've got this first few verses where, where Paul reminds children to obey their parents, reminds us as parents to let the rule and reign of Christ reign over our homes. But look at what it says. Look what it says in verse 4. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. And you think about it. This would have been easy in an ancient world where daddy was large and in charge, where daddy's will was to be done and you don't do things my way, man, you're going to have it. You can imagine how, how that kind of attitude, a father who wasn't submitted to Christ and always said, do my way, how that would maybe create in a child, a boy, a girl, some resentment. And so Paul says, listen, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, now notice the verse. Don't stir up anger in your children, parents, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now we can close our Bibles and go home because that's all Paul says. He doesn't give us anything else. He doesn't give us more, it's not a book about parenting. It's not seven ways to make your your kids behave. It's not eight ways to make sure your kids are this or that. No, he gives us really just one phrase. Bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord and that's it. Because for Paul and for you, That's the goal. That's it. Think about this, right? So so let the rule of Christ reign in your home, but also parents, let discipleship be the goal of your home. Now, come on, come on, come on real close and just be honest with me for just a moment. If you as a parent were to think about your parenting and you were to ask yourself the question, what is the goal that I'm after in my parenting? What would the answer be? I mean, with your children, what do you really want for them? What are you aiming for? I know what some of us are aiming for. For some of us, it's something like this. I just want my kids to have what I didn't have. Because maybe you came from a background where, where you just didn't have a whole lot. Your parents worked hard, but maybe it was a struggle to put food on the table sometimes. And now that you've, you know, got a little better job than maybe what your parents did, you, you just want your kids to have the life you didn't have. And so you spool your kids like crazy. Or or maybe it's something else. Maybe I just want my kids to be successful. You're you're just kind of busting your tail to make sure they have all the right educational opportunities to be in the right school and you're spending all your money and time to making sure they're, they're academically achieving just so they can be successful. Or maybe, you know, I just want my kids to have opportunities so they can find themselves. And you're busy, kind of like me, every night, taking them somewhere. Your taxi service, this ball practice, this ball game, this music lesson, this, this, and this and that, and this extracurricular activity and that extracurricular activity. Or maybe for you it's something like this. I, really my goal is I just want my kids to be happy. Can I tell you? I hear you. I'd love for my kids to be successful. I want them to have opportunities I want to be happy, but, but if those are the goals, then I've missed the mark. Because here's the reality, right? And, and, and here's why we have those goals. And, and again, it's, it's not bad. I, I think every parent in here, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, we all want the same thing. Again, we can go wake the, the biggest pagan up in the city and say, hey, what do you want for your kids? And even the biggest pagan in the city would say, I just want the best for my kids. We all want that. Whether you're lost or saved, to follow Jesus, or not a churchgoer, or not a churchgoer, we all want the best for our kids. And so we're always asking ourselves the question, what's best for my children? What's best for my children is if they're successful, if they have opportunities, or whatever the case may be. Can, can I, come on, now let me just be honest with you, and, and I know this might offend some of you, but just hang on me for just a moment. If, if the question that drives your parenting is, what's best for my children? Can I, can I just be honest with you? You're asking the wrong question. The wrong question to ask in your parenting is the question, what's best for my children? There's a better question you need to ask. Remember in your home who's in charge? Jesus Christ. Remember who's in, home, who's in charge in your home? the one who died and rose again, the one who's given us a mission. If Jesus Christ, now watch this, come in real close, make sure you get this. If Jesus Christ really is the authority in your home, then the question you should not be asking is what's best for my children or even the question, what's best for me? Because we ask that question a lot too, don't we? What's best for me in this moment? What's best for me? What's gonna make me feel good? What's gonna give me the most satisfaction in the moment? What's best for me, or what's best for my children? Those are the wrong questions to ask. If Christ really is the head of your home, the question you and I should be asking is what, church? What's best for Him? What's best for God and His kingdom? Because at the end of the day, He's the one in charge. And if he's in charge, what's best for God? And can I tell you what's best for God? What's best for God is his people living on mission for him. What's best for God is you and me and our children. Are you following me? Living lives surrendered to him, saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. That's what's best for God is you and me living our lives submitted to him. And can I tell you this? And I don't know if you believe this or not, but I certainly believe this. When you are living for what's best for God, now watch this, that will always be what's best for you. Do you follow me? When you're living for what's best for the kingdom of God, that's always what's best for you. And i just tell you that, I'll tell you this. Some of us in, in the way we parent, but not only in the way we parent, but just in the way that we approach life. We're asking the wrong questions, which is leading us to make the not so best choices in our parenting, in our marriages, in the way we approach life. The question that should be front and center is, God, how do I live my life today to honor you? How do I live for what's best for you? You see, that's what Paul's getting at. Notice, he doesn't give us a book. He doesn't give us lots of verses on parenting. He gives us one phrase. Because if you'll get this, if you'll get this, if you'll get this, then you'll be parenting in such a way that you're bringing honor and glory to God. You'll be living for his best. Fathers, mothers, train your children in the instruction of the Lord. That's it. That's all he gives us. He doesn't give us seven ways to help our kids behave or six ways to make sure they're successful or any of that. No, make sure your kids know how to follow Jesus well. I want my kids to be successful. I would love it if Luke and Hudson go to Harvard, right? And they graduate at the top of their class at Harvard and they cure cancer or whatever the case may be. That would be awesome. But if my kids go to Harvard, and they cure all diseases, but die without Christ, they are hell-bound. You see what I'm saying, church? I would much rather my children live in obscurity and just live a meager life, yet know Christ, than have all the accolades of this world and die without Christ. You see what I'm saying? Because if they know Christ, what do they gain? Ultimately, if they know Christ, they gain everything. An inheritance in him forever. And so I just want to challenge you, if you're a parent in this room or a grandparent, come on, let's get the focus right, church. We get so focused on all this other stuff, the opportunities, the success and this and that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to see your kids succeed in life. But let's not focus so much on that that we miss what real success is. And what real success is, is just following Jesus faithfully day in and day out. And so what that means, we're done, but we've got to get through this. What that means is you've got to get your priorities straight. So do I. That in our homes, The one who is worthy of our praise is Christ. And he's the one we're following day in and day out. We've got to be committed to our own going discipleship. As a parent, if you're going to raise your children in such a way where they know Christ is ultimately the authority, that he's the head, that means you yourself have to be convinced of that. And and you're convinced of that as you yourself grow as a disciple of Jesus, And you grow as a disciple of Jesus as you submit yourself, right, to Christ and to the church which wants to help you grow in Christ. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm committed to to my ongoing discipleship and I'm using my time intentionally. Now now watch this, watch this. I remember when my kids were young. Do Do you remember this? I remember when my kids were like two, one. They got two naps a day. Those were glorious days. And I can, remember, I can remember it like being eight o'clock in the morning and nap time, the first nap was at 10 o'clock and you're just waiting. And from eight o'clock till 9.59, when you put that kid down for a nap, come on, you remember this, don't you? It seemed like that clock just would not move. It felt like it took 50 years to get from eight o'clock to 10 o'clock, right? But now my children are 11 and seven. It seemed like those were just seconds ago. And I, and I know some of you in this room, some of you in this room, you're in your 60s, your 70s, you have, you have grandchildren now, and you look back over life, and what do you say? Because I hear you say it to me all the time. I don't know where the time went. Because it goes so fast. And if it goes so fast... If I only have 18 years with my kids before they go off to college or whatever that next step is, if that's all I have, I better use that time well. Because that's all I have. And if I want to use that time well, what that means is I'm not going to waste opportunities. You know where the opportunities are? In the everyday stuff of life. We try to be intentional. We try to do family devotions around the dinner table. We pray together, all those things. But the opportunities of life, the, the circumstances of life provide so many opportunities for me to disciple my children. When they lose the baseball game, to be able to talk about, hey, life's about more than sports. When they don't make the grades, hey, it's okay. Your grades don't make you who you are. Christ Jesus makes you who you are. When they fail, when they something wrong to point them back to truth of the gospel you see just the everyday stuff of life gives me endless opportunities to talk truth to my children about what God wants to do in their lives time is precious and I don't want to waste any of those teaching moments to help my children see the bigger picture of who God is and what he's doing in our lives now do I waste some opportunities absolutely I don't want to. I want to seize every moment. Go on, next slide. Don't disciple alone. Look around you. You have a wonderful church family that wants to help you in the journey. You have other parents who've gone before you in this church who want to encourage your kids. I think about my own family. I am so thankful for this church. And I'm thankful for for some of you who are further along who love my children in very specific ways. That's a blessing to me. And and discipline your children like your heavenly father disciplines you. Think about how your your heavenly father disciplines you. Because he does. He allows you to experience the consequences of your sin. Why? To point you back to his love and his grace. And no, we got to discipline our children. We need to, you know, uh, correct them when they do wrong, but as we do, let's always do so in a way that honors the Father. That more than anything, we just want our children to know the love of the Heavenly Father. And that means I'm going to give a lot of grace because I need it, my wife needs it, my kids need it. We all need a lot of grace. And at the end of the day, that, that is the message of the gospel, Grace. That God loved you so much, they gave his son Jesus for you. You were lost and on your way to an eternity in hell. But God gave you what you did not deserve. Forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Jesus died in your place and rose again to give you a gift. And there might be someone in this room this morning who's never experienced that gift of grace. You've never experienced the hope of the gospel. Today can be the day that, that your whole family changes because as a father or a mother or as a grandparent, you make a decision today to give your life to Jesus and experience his grace. And he begins to reorder your home in such a way that you long to honor him because of what he's done for you. And so if you're watching online this morning, you're going to see a number on the screen. Just text name Jesus to that number. We want to reach out to you today and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. And if you're in this room, you see the two crosses in the corner of this room. Go to one of those crosses. Today, let us help you begin a relationship with Jesus. There'll be someone there ready to pray for you and talk to you about how you can turn from your sins today and give your life to the one who wants to give you a whole lot of grace today. Now, I want to do something different. Uh, just hang tight. Would you do something for me? I just want, I just want our church to see if you're a parent in this room, and if you feel uncomfortable with this, you don't have to do it, but if you feel comfortable, just do this for me. If you're a parent in this room who, who maybe your, your children have, have, have moved out, right? You, they, you've parented them. They've gone on to college. They're, you're, maybe you're a grandparent now. You don't have children in your home anymore. You're through that stage of life. Will you do something for me? Will you stand up? Stand up all over this room. So what you see in this room from these people standing up are parents who have a lot of wisdom, who've been where you are, we want to encourage you and bless you. Now, sit back down for just a moment. Now, if you're a parent, if you're comfortable doing this, do this for me. If you're not comfortable, I get it. But if you're a parent who has children in your home like me, whether they're teenagers, elementary age, infants, toddlers, you're in the midst of it. If you have children in your home right now, would you do something? Stand up for me and stay standing. Now, Okay. There might be more than we have parents without children at home. But here's what I want you to do. Stay standing. If you're a parent, your children has moved out, you're empty nesting right now, you're with grandchildren, you're past that stage in life, here's what I want you to do. Parents who do not have children at home, stand back up. And I just want you to do this. Go find one of these parents and lay your hands on them. Now, I know there might be more parents with children than there are parents without children in the home right now, but do the best you can. Go find some of these parents that that are standing and just go put your hands on them and gather around them. Maybe you grab grab two or three families and you pull them together. Just do that for me. Right now, I know it's kind of weird. I know preacher's doing something weird. I get that, but just bear with me. Our band's going to come and sing. And here's what I want you to do. As we sing, here's the invitation. Listen carefully. If you want to trust Christ as Lord and Savior for your life today, go to one of those crosses. But as we sing, here's what I want you to do. If you're a parent who does not have children in your home any longer, as we sing, I just want you to pray over these families and encourage them and pray that God will be at work in their life. Would you pray for these families who are right now in the midst of raising kids and and let them know that you're with them to encourage them? Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time together to be reminded of the gift of family. And Father, before me, there's lots of parents standing. And for those parents who are in the midst of, of raising children in their home, I pray that you give wisdom and grace. You would help us to order our home in such a way that it honors you. Father, for someone in this room this morning that doesn't know the grace of Jesus, I pray today that person will come trusting you as Lord. And Father, for parents this morning who maybe have gone through this journey, we're a little bit further along, we have seen our kids graduate, go on and get married and have children, we're now grandparents. Father, we're praying over these families right now, lifting lifting them up to you. For your glory and your name's sake, in Jesus' name,